0: Go with me tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I believe the overall problem with the modern church today is we become lethargic. All we want to do, and I'm not talking about just physically. I'm not talking about these pews. I'm just talking about the church in general. All we want to do is sit. Sit and let somebody else deal with the problem. I believe it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand. I believe the greatest enemy that has robbed the Christian is wrong thinking and wrong believing. Wrong thinking and wrong believing eventually leads to wrong actions. We need to know what the Word of God says, and we need to start acting out what the Word of God says. We We need to start believing what we read and quit reading what we believe. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that an utterance may be given to me, that I may, be, may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, I pray that You'd have Your way in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that You would use me. Father, that I would decrease, that You would increase, that You would have Your way. I pray, Father God, that You'd anoint my lips. Anoint my tongue as the pen of the ready writer. Help me, Father God, to speak the things that You've laid on my heart. I pray that You give each and every one that's here tonight ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord would say to them tonight. And Father, I just pray. Have Your way, Lord. Have Your way. Touch not just this congregation, but Lord, be with the church. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for being lazy. Forgive us for being apathetic. Forgive us, Lord. And help us, Lord, to catch the fire. The fire that You've given to us, Your church. To change this world. To impact this world for the cause of Christ. And Father, we'll give You the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Real quickly, and this is not an infomercial, it kind of goes in with it, we've got our table set out there in the, the, the foyer and the ladies, they've got some jewelry out there and some, some hats and t-shirts, but there's a, a flash drive out there. Uh, several years ago, I started preaching uh, back in 2020. And uh, I was I was teaching Sunday school class. I was doing outreach ministry and things like that. And uh, my pastor back then was a bivocational pastor. And he came to me and said, I'm going to be out of town Wednesday night. And he said, I need you to preach. You want me to what? I said, I can teach Sunday school and all that stuff. I said, You want me? To... He said, Listen, God's called you. It's time to do what God's called you to do. He said, I want you to preach. So I prayed and, and God gave me a word and it was 15 minutes long. Shortest message I've ever preached. My wife said, I wish you'd go back to those old days. <laughs> but I preached a message entitled, Don't Give Satan the Satisfaction. Good Since then, God has just continued to reveal and continue to reveal. My, my son tells me, he says, Dad, he says you need to write a book. I said, son, I'm not, a really, I'm not an author. He said, yeah, well you say you're not really a preacher and he said, you keep doing that. <laughs> He said so, he said I need you to write a book. And so on this uh, flash drive, I think there's something like around 12 30 minute sermons entitled Don't Give the Enemy the Satisfaction. I went to a church up in Albany, Kentucky. A guy called me. Said, "I want you to come up here and preach in my church." We we drove up there, walked in. He got up there to address his congregation. The first thing out of his mu- mouth, brother Mike, is he said, "Listen." He said, "I hope you've had a better week than me, so the devil's been kicking my butt all week." I looked at my wife. I said, "Go fire up the van. We're in the wrong house." See, the church needs to quit giving the devil satisfaction. We need to start reading our word. Why do I stand? Why do I stand during worship? Why do I stand for the word? Why do I stand? Why do these ladies pop up every time the worship goes forth and we start exalting the name of Jesus? Paul said we're to stand. I've heard people preach this message so many times and they, they focus on one word. They focus on the part where Paul says we wrestle not against and then they take this whole thing and they start saying how the Christians are in this fight. Listen, if you're fighting, then what He did on the cross was for naught. Yeah. Come on now. When He said it is finished, yeah. that meant that the devil was done. Damn. Colossians says in, in chapter 2 verse 15, He made a public spectacle of them. He embarrassed them. He said, you are finished. Listen, the only way the devil has any control in your life is if you allow it. You read your Bible. The Bible says it is our flesh that is weak. But yet we want to blame the devil for everything that takes place in our life. Listen, I believe that there's a real devil. I also believe that he's been condemned to hell. And I believe he has no authority over the born-again, blood-bought believer. But the problem is the church wants to sit and allow him to have his way in the world that we live in. Look at what the Word of God says here in in Ephesians. He He says, in the power of His might, not my might, I can't do it. I didn't do it. He says, "Stand, withstand. When you've done all to stand, stand, not fight. not fight. And lastly, he says, "Be watchful to the end. Now, not only am I a preacher, I'm a marine. I went to through Marine Corps boot camp out in San Diego, California, now I didn't get to travel a whole lot because I ended up blowing out my knee. But there's one thing I know about the Marine Corps and different things in my studies is this. Back in the early 1900s, we went down to this little island called Cuba. And we took over this base. And we've been guarding that base ever since then. In 1962, we went down there and we built a, a, a compound. And you understand this. If you go down to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba right now, there are Marines standing all over that wall. I was doing some research yesterday. There has not been a bullet fired into or out of Guantanamo Bay, Cuba in over 50 years. Do you want to know why? Because all they got to do is stand there. <laughs> That's good. They say, listen, we've already won. We've already come down and defeated you. We've already taken control. And everybody knows if that Marine's standing right up there with his M-16, there ain't no sense in me doing anything stupid. Yeah. Come on. Listen. We've got something bigger and better than the United States Marine Corps. we got the Lord Jesus Christ. we got the power of the Holy Ghost on our side. All we need to do is stand and not fight. What do we need to stand for? What is it that the Lord is calling the church of Jesus Christ to stand for? Number one, the church needs to stand for our faith. We need to stand for our faith. 1 Corinthians 16.13, he says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Stand in your faith. Now more than ever, with everything that's going on in the world, we need to stand firm in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or epistle. See, listen, we cannot allow pandemics politics or the storms of life come against us and affect our faith yes. listen I understand this I'm praying for this man I believe I believe in the power and the anointing and the healing that Jesus the Bible says by his stripes he's already healed I believe it I'm just I'm just crazy enough that I still believe in miracles. I'm just crazy enough that I believe every word that's written in this Bible. I, I stand on this word, I preach this word, and I declare this word. And I don't care if somebody says, well, brother, you know, did you pray for so-and-so to be healed? And, and they didn't get healed and they died. Listen, they still got healed. They're not suffering now. Listen, I've seen it. I see too many miracles. For the last 12 years, I've been running a ministry that every day we see miracles. Every day we see people whose families have washed their hands with them, who the court system has washed their hands, whose society has washed their hands, and then today they're up here singing and praising God and they're lifting up their hands and they're saying, I've been delivered. Yeah. Praise the Lord. He's going to get the victory. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Don't claim what the doctor, don't claim what the government, don't claim what Wall Street has to say. We need to claim what the Word of God says. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8. It says, the grass withers, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He has been defeated and he has no authority over the child of God. Don't allow the lies of sinners or weak faith Christians to convince you that the devil has power to destroy you. Don't allow it. Don't listen to that stuff. I hear people all the time. They, they, they want to do... My, my parents, and my mom's probably watching because she watches all the time. She's proud of her son, I think. But anyways, I remember when I was a little kid, my parents didn't go to church. My, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My, my parents were ignorant to the Word of God. So when I was in like second grade, I think it was, we had to sell these magazines. And if you sold enough magazines, then you'd get to pick some prizes. And I really wasn't wanting to sell a whole lot, but I had to do something, so I think I got my grandmother to buy a magazine. So I had enough points to buy a little patch, I'm going to date myself, to sew on my members-only jacket. (laughs) You still got yours, don't you? So I had this little patch to sew on my members-only jacket, and it said, the devil made me do it. I was seven years old. And I still hear people today Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Your flesh made you do it. Your flesh got weak. Your heart fell out of love with Jesus, and your 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 flesh got weak. When I think about the devil, I think about a a fly. Man, I just I can't stand flies and mosquitoes. I could never live in Louisiana. Those things carried their own blood bags. I mean, I just absolutely hate those mosquitoes. But listen, the devil's like a mosquito. He's just—he's buzzing around. But listen, we got the best fly swatter in the world for him. I can tell. I can. I can tell. All I got to do is declare the word of God. Splat. Listen. We. He's overcome. He has overcome. First Peter chapter five. Beginning in verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that were in the world. But the grace of God, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye hath suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to Him be glory and dominion forever." and ever amen listen i'm not telling you that we're not going to suffer it's not because of the devil it's because we live in a fallen world it's because adam and eve they believe what the patch said yes but the reality is this we understand that this world is coming to an end we were talking about this this afternoon you got all these politicians that want to they want to hype up and make a bunch of bunch of money off of this global warming I remember being in science class and my science teacher before global warming was ever a thing, talking about how the earth revolves and how sometimes it shifts different ways, and some parts get closer to the sun. And, and listen, they want to tell you that the North Pole is melting, but they're not telling you that the South Pole is getting colder. Al Gore just wants to sell more light bulbs. Listen, the earth, the 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 the, the atmosphere's been deteriorating ever since God said open up and Noah had to build a boat. Amen. Yes, sir. We need to believe what the Word God says. Yes, there's going to be stri- trials and tribulations, but Paul said we can count it all joy. Yes, we need to stand in our faith. We need to understand what the Word of God says. There's coming a new home. Yes, sir. What did Jesus say when he prayed? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, You need to pray, Thy kingdom come. Amen. Thy will be done. I say this all the time. It's, just been, it's been irritating me. And when things irritate me, I just keep on preaching it. And these ladies, got to keep on listening to it. But I, I, how many of you have prayed this prayer, Lord Jesus, come quickly? Oh, yeah. Lift your hands now. How many of you prayed that? The preachers even prayed it. Well, we're in trouble now. I better shut up while I'm ahead. All right, put your hands up. How many of you prayed that? Oh, yeah. Lord Jesus, come quickly. All right, keep your hands up. Keep them up. Now, how many of you that got your hand up know somebody that's lost? If Jesus comes quickly, they're going to hell. Listen, I, I, want, I want to get to heaven too, but this is the reality. He said, we, we need to keep on working. We need to keep on preaching. We need to keep on doing these things. He said, he said until this gospel has been preached to every nation, camp meetings, revivals, satellite, Facebook, whatever tool we got to use, we got to get this gospel out there before Jesus comes back. We got to stand on our faith. We got to believe what the Word of God says, and quit giving credit to the devil. Romans chapter four verse twenty says about Abraham: He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. God God said, "You're gonna, you're gonna have uh, uh, babies like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore." Abraham never doubted, and when he had a son, God said, "God said, take your son." and I want you to sacrifice him. He didn't go in there and ask Sarah, what do you think? He just grabbed the lad, said grab the wood, let's go boy. He never doubted. He stood on his faith. It's time for the church to stand on his faith. Number two, we need to stand for justice. We need to stand for justice, church. Abortions, sex trafficking, physical abuse of children and the elderly, and those that cannot defend themselves are all forms of injustice that we need to stand against. Psalm 82, 3 and 4 says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy rid them out of all the hand of the wicked. That's That's our responsibility. But yet we want to sit back and we want to say, well, that's somebody else's problem. The churches went to sleep. People want to talk about uh, terms like social justice and there are many definitions uh, for for this social justice and there are many causes and some are good and some are not so good. But as a child of God, there's only one justice that we need to be concerned with and that's biblical justice. Seeing people as God sees them. God hates the sin, but He loves the sinner. Our mission is to stand for the cause of Christ. I was sitting at a restaurant. Me and another preacher... And the young man that came over that was our waiter, you could just tell that... You could just tell he was gay. Yep. And the other preacher, the guy came and, and he asked us for our order. And we, I told him what I wanted. He walked away. The other preacher started mocking him. Started talking with a lisp and doing his head and, and doing all that. And I kind of cackled a little bit. And about that time, I, the Spirit of the Lord said, really? You ain't never going to win them to Christ that way. That's right. He came back. He did our drinks again. Uh, went, took our order went back. Preacher started saying something. I said, stop. I said, if you're going to do this the whole meal, I said, I'm leaving. He said, well, I was just poking fun. I said, we're not supposed to poke fun. We're supposed to tell them about Jesus. The young man's never going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if we're going to sit here and make fun of him. He said, man, I apologize. That young man, every time he kept coming back and forth, I just kept talking to him, talking to him. We got done. He handed me the bill. I looked at the bill. I said, you stand right here, young man. He stood right there. I looked at the bill. I said, what's 15% of this number right here? He told me it was like, I don't know, 15 bucks. I handed him a 20. He said, you want change? I said, no, I want you to pocket the rest of us. I said, I want you to do one thing for me. He said, what's that, sir? I said, I want you to consider possibly coming to church with me Sunday. And he looked at me and tears came up in his eyes. He said, you know, most Christians don't want nothing to do with me. I said, well, I'm not most Christians, young man. I'd like you to come to church. And I said, I'd like you to sit right next to me. Now I ain't going to lie to you. He didn't show up. But I asked. And I'd never had that opportunity if I'd have mocked him. That's injustice. We have allowed others to come and to tear down what our forefathers built. We need to quit sitting back and doing nothing as the world goes to hell all around us. As we look at the life of Jesus and the mandate given throughout Scripture, it's clear that Christ's followers are called to do justice. We are called to take action and confront evil, to care for the vulnerable and to make right that which is wrong. Listen, I don't agree with their lifestyle. I think it's wrong. But listen, we need to talk to them. We need to minister to them. We were preaching over here at at, uh, Trinity Tabernacle this morning. I shared some uh, statistics with them. Four percent of adults in the United States of America consider themselves part of the LGBTQ. 4%. But if you go and talk to most of them, most of them have no clue. They've never been involved in any type of homosexual relationship. They just want to attach themselves to something that, that's given some attention. Why don't we give them some attention? I'm not saying we need to agree with them, but I'm saying we need to quit tearing them down and we need to start trying to minister to them. This isn't popular, folks. No. But that's why the churches would rather sit down and close the doors and not deal with it. We're called to take action and confront evil. To take care of the vulnerable and to make things right which are now wrong. Romans chapter 12, verse 19-21. through Paul says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Overcome evil with good. Preacher friend of mine up in Smithville, Tennessee. He said that gay couple walked into his church, two women. He said, I knew what they were there. They, they were there to start trouble. And I said, I knew it as soon as I see him come through the parking lot. They got to the door. I shook their hands. They walked in. They sat in the back seat. He said, they're sitting there you know, hugging each other, doing all this stuff. He said, I got up there and just preached my message. I didn't, I didn't cull nothing. Next week, they show up again. He said, they weren't ass touchy, but they were still... He said, this went out for about three or four weeks. He said, a bunch of people. He said, some of my elders came up to me. and said, you need to kick them out of the church. He said, I won't do it. I said, if you don't kick them out, we're leaving. He said, I'm not going to do it. He kept ministering. A, couple, a bunch of his church uh, left, went to another church. He said, all of a sudden, about two months, he noticed one lady wasn't coming. The other lady was. He said, I never changed the way I was preaching. He said, two weeks, the one lady kept coming by herself. He said, the second week, I gave an altar call. She came up, got up and came to the altar. He said, I went down there to pray with her. I said, where's your friend? She said, I heard everything you said, preacher. She said, you weren't rude. You weren't mean. You were preaching truth. She said, I got convicted, and I told her I can't live this lifestyle. She left me. She said, I want to give my heart to Jesus, and I want to live right. Hey, Somebody asked me one time as a preacher, how come I've never heard you, all the messages I've ever heard you preach in 20 years, I've never heard you preach about leaving the 99 for the 1. I said, I'm not Jesus. I don't know how to do it. I really don't. But I'm going to keep on ministering to them. I'm going to keep on loving them. And it's not just the gays. It's the, it's the atheists. It's the Muslims. It's all, I don't care who you are. Which if you're not in the body of Christ, I want to keep ministering to you. I want to stand for justice. I want to do the right thing. We need to quit living like the world. We need to start acting like Jesus. Number three, we need to stand for righteousness. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not righteousness of God. The Word does not say we should not be angry about all that's going on in our society because we should. We should be very angry. But that that anger should not cause us to sin. Cussing, fighting, and arguing never solved anything. It doesn't help anybody. Matthew 5 verse 20 says, For I say unto you that except the righteous shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. If you want to act like the the religious crowd, if you want to act like a bunch of these, these hypocrites out there, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. But if you'll act like Jesus... Listen, He didn't revile when they smacked Him. He didn't didn't act up when they brought Him a woman caught in the act of adultery. He He didn't treat Zacchaeus terribly. He stood for righteousness. And because He stood for righteousness, their life was changed. We need to quit fighting like the world fights and we need to start standing. Standing for righteousness is to stand for mercy, peace, and love. Jude says this in verses 1 and 2. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Amen. When we show others what God has shown us through Jesus Christ, we can win the world. When we show them mercy when they don't deserve it, we need to remember, neither did we. That's right, preacher. Amen. We need to operate in peace. The word peace here is a Greek word, irene, which means to, uh, in part to have rest and not rage. Aren't you glad that we can find rest in God and not His rage? If anybody has a reason to be angry at the church right now, it's the Father. But I thank God for His peace. And then Jude goes on and the last word that he uses, he said love. And the word that he uses right here for love is the agape, the God kind of love. When we stand for righteousness, we need to be willing to die for righteousness. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8 says, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth His love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in order for us and those around us to live a victorious life, the life that God came to give us, the John 10.10 abundant life, in order for us to live that, we need to quit giving the devil the satisfaction. And we need to start standing on the authority that has been given to us, the church of Jesus Christ. He said, all power has been given to you. Go and preach the gospel. Jesus said in Matthew 16.18, He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's time for the church to stand upon the rock. Stand and not sit. Stand and quit wavering. Stand firm in your faith. Stand for justice of others. Stand for righteousness of Jesus Christ. So why do I have a hard time sitting? Because listen, i got a lot to stand for. i got a lot to stand for. If the church would start standing, start showing up at the election polls, Start doing what's right. Start declaring the Gospel to everybody that's around us. Listen, if all the Christians would come out of the closet, come on. we'd win the world yes, to sir. Jesus. That's good. It's time for us to stand. Paul said, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and withstand the evil day and done all to stand. Stand. I'm going to ask you tonight. Stand. Stand. And if you feel comfortable, lift your hands. I don't care. But it's time to stand. I don't know what he's going to sing, but I know it's about Jesus, and we've got something to stand about. We've got something to rejoice about. And while they're singing this song, I'm going to ask you, I know it's Sunday night, but I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to take anything for granted. So I'm going to ask you, before they start singing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place tonight, And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're in this place tonight, let me make it plain. And you say, preacher, if I were to die tonight, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I'm going to ask you right now. Step out of the pew and come front. We want to pray for you.